Coming up on the pod, the playoffs are behind us. The finals are behind us. The draft is behind us. What's left for the NBA? Oh, I know. Player movement. Free agency. We're going to talk about it next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with SimpliSafe. Right now, get 20% off any new SimpliSafe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like SimpliSafe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. We have a new rewatchables coming on Monday night. You're not going to expect this one. I will give you two hints. One is that the movie came out 10 years ago. And two is that it's on Netflix right now. So there you go. Those are your two hints. Also, here's the third hint. It's Dave Jacoby's first appearance ever on The Rewatchables. So there you go. You might be able to patch this one together if you know anything about Jacoby. But that is coming Monday night. Coming up on this podcast, Ryan Rossillo and I are going to talk about July 1st, free agency and where that is going. By the way, I would highly recommend Derek Thompson's podcast, Plain English. Friday, talked about the ramifications of Roe v. Wade. I hope you have been reading and listening and thinking about how the country has changed in the last 72 hours. We are not going to be talking about that on this podcast. I just want to talk basketball. It could be a little escape, but uh, over the course of the summer, we will be talking about some of the stuff on this podcast, but not right now. We're going to talk basketball. It's next. First, Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, taping this, it is uh, 4.30 PT on a beautiful Sunday afternoon here in Southern California. Ryan Rossello is here, as always. Only a couple Sundays for us left, Rossello. You get sad? Yep. Basketball, grinding <laughs> to a halt. I don't know. Once the draft is over, man, I'm, I'm like good for a little while. So free agency and then summer league becomes, you know, more about networking than it is the games, but. I would tell you, like, not talking hoops for a little bit. Although, I guess I'm not really selling this episode, so maybe I should just stop talking. Well, there's one last stretch that we're going to have here. The free agent, it's uh, July 1st is Friday, but Wednesday is the Kyrie deadline. 
Thursday is when stuff's going to start trickling out. As we learned the last five, six years, there's always a couple of wink, wink things that happen before July 1st, which Adam Silver has never figured out how to stop. I'm going to go through some free agent questions for you and we could just bat them around. So free agent question number one to me, what happens with Bradley Beal? Because he's going to opt out, but he's going to opt out because he's going to opt back in and sign this giant contract with Washington. Joe House was on here last week talking about how he thought it was absolutely ludicrous that Bradley Beal would get a Supermax. And I went through some of his numbers and became increasingly alarmed, especially when you consider the Washington history. We've seen this happen before where the teams, we go, we just look at it and go, well, they got to sign him. What else are they going to do? And I guess my question is, I do think there's some other things they could do. Bradley Beal is going to be 29 in two days. He's three all-star games in his career. He's made one all-NBA team, third team. Probably peaked two to three years ago. Had it. He dropped off a little last year. I don't see, think he's somebody who's necessarily going to get better. So he, to me, he seems like he's moved into this Ray Allen 2007 stage where maybe not as valuable as like the general public would think. All of a sudden, he's getting traded for Jeff Green and Delonte West, basically. And it's like, wow, that's all Ray Allen's worth. It's like, yeah, that's all he's worth because people think he peaked maybe two, three years ago. Ray also had the ankle stuff that he was going through too. Like when he got he to did. Boston, he actually was healthier. So that was, I think that worked against him a little bit too, but keep going. Fair point. So Beal's been in the league 10 years. And my question is, if you're giving him the Supermax, where the hell are you going? And the Wizards with the contract history they have, which we'll get into, is there <laughs> any scenario where they go, well, wait a second, why do we have to spend all this money on Bradley Beal? I, you know, this is really like one of those things where you try to explain it to somebody who doesn't like follow it that closely. Like this is like a relative deal or something or a buddy. And you're like, no, no, this is kind of what they have to do. And then you think the person who doesn't know anything about it is wrong. And when they might actually be right. Like I remember the Joe Johnson one with Atlanta. I just mm. was like, oh, well, they have to do it. They have to do it. And then I was like, do they though? And yeah. I know that I've conditioned myself to, it's really hard to get players. Um, you have to pay guys more than you want to. You end up, the problem is when you're a team and you're playing like, you're paying your third tier guy the same as a first tier guy. So it's like, well, how are we spending our 40 million a year? Oh, well, we have, we have a guy that's in the top 10. This guy's not even maybe in the top 20. So like, I've always liked Beal. He's really talented, but I don't, I, I'm with you a bit on this one being like, wait, do, why do we have to do this? Because he's going to opt out. This is what I'd heard for over a year was that he was going to do this, get the 250 and then worry about it later because not only is he going to get the $250 million, there's no we guarantee think. that... Right. Well, you're right. Maybe they could say, hey, do we not have to give you every last dollar in this thing? But I guess the part of it would be, are you just, are you just making it worse for your organization knowing now that he has the deal, now he can just do whatever he wants and move on? Because I, I do think that there's a version of him where... Maybe he's a little overrated. You know, it's like, well, if we get Bradley Beal in and he's your one, what does that really mean? And it hasn't really meant much, has it? Well, you know, when he's going to be really overrated is when he has a $250 million contract extension. That will immediately become one of the worst seven or eight contracts in the league. Again, no shade at Bradley Beal. It's just when you're paying, you know, Jimmy Butler is going to be making that kind of money. And he just almost took somebody to the finals. And that's expensive for him. It's expensive for anybody. You don't really have a lot of roster movement possibilities when you're paying somebody 50 million a year. And, and the thing is like, I was looking back at some of the, the extensions 
that we decided after the fact, we're like, wow, that one was bad. And this goes back to the 90s and it goes back to like when Juwan Howard was, you know, seven for 105. Gilbert, six for 111, coming off a knee injury. Francis, six for 84 during that stretch when just all those guys, Marbury, Francis, all those dudes were getting at least six. Penny got seven for 87. Allen Houston, six for 100. Brandon Roy, five for 82. Richard Lewis, six for 118. Then we move into this decade. It's in that Chandler Parsons. The years are shorter sometimes, but it's like that Chandler Parsons, four for 94. Evan Turner, four for 72. Those kind of things. The Evan Turner one, I remember being like, what? But the two worst ones from the last few years were Wall and Westbrook. Wall got four for 177. Seemed logical. He had taken them, you know, almost to round three in 2018. And then Westbrook, nobody bat an eyelash when he got that. I, I think I think the hardcore basketball people are like, oof, that's that's a lot for somebody who's got a lot of miles on him. But nobody was like, that's ridiculous. I guess my question is, the recurring theme over and over again is, it's fine to pay the money for the awesome guy, the A-lister, but you get start getting in trouble when it's like the, the all-star, he's like one of the top 25 players, but he's not one of the top 10 or the top 15. That's when these go sideways. This Beal thing fits a lot of the check marks for an extension that somebody will regret two years from now. Now, I don't feel like that's a negative comment, right? No, I don't. I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure Beal. Like, I would just like to know, like, what's the evidence that he can he turns your franchise around? There well, or even worse, he puts you in like this the seven seed which is in that no man's land that I, I don't think anybody wants to be the seventh seed anymore, or the eighth seed or the playing team. But that would be you an know. improvement from, from who they've been recently. Right. The, the craziest thing too about Washington is they will have had, if they, this Beal thing happens, they will have had attachments to three of the worst contracts in the league all within two years of each other. Mm. Because well, then the you fact, go, go backwards. Right. There's even more over the last 25 years. Sure, but like to have Wall... And go, this might be the worst contract in the league. Let's flip it for Westbrook. But you're right. When Westbrook signed that one, there wasn't a ton of like, what the hell's wrong with you? And when the Chris Paul trade was was made, that was when people didn't think Chris Paul was going to get another extension like he just did this pre- previous offseason. So um, at times, people thought the Paul deal was going to be worse than the Westbrook deal, even though it yep. was shorter. Um, but Westbrook, you have Westbrook. And the fact that they were able to turn Westbrook into rotation players and get away from a $47 million bill this year for him. But then it's like, hey, do, should we just do it again, though? Should we go have somebody else be a $50 million bill and have it be five straight years? I, I would love to know what the level of trust there is, too, with, with Beal. It's like, hey, did you wait this whole time to get your $250 million, if that's what the number comes in at? And then a year from now, you're going to ask out? Because I think a lot of teams would like Beal, but you better have other things in place because by himself, granted, not great teams, they don't do anything. Well, I'm not sure they'll like him as much as if he's making like 55 million in year four of this deal. You know that going back to what you said about, you know, who basically do you have to give him the entire 248, whatever it is? I think it's 248 is the exact number. Who are they bidding against? We know the teams that have cap space. The Pistons, they're gonna have money to pay somebody. So are the Spurs. It looks like Orlando will. OKC has the money. They're not going to use it. And then after that, nobody would have the money to compete with them anyway. Even if somebody tries to offload contracts, you just saw how hard that was with the Knicks. Like they couldn't even get rid of Fournier's deal 
in the three days leading up to the draft. They offered it back to the Celtics just to take it in the exception. The Celtics were like, no thanks. So just the, I just don't know who they're bidding against other than the, the kind of the threat. They'd be like, well, then I'll leave. I'll, I'll, I'll just go to the Pistons. I just don't think he would do that. He's going to go sideways to another team. So they either have to get that at a lower number or they have to explore some, some sign-and-trade stuff. And the irony is there's probably better sign-and-trade deals for them than just keeping Beal, right? Like, look at Atlanta. Atlanta is dying to make a three-for-one. They want nothing more than make a three-for-one. If, if Washington could get Collins and Bogdanovich and a Kongwu for Beal, and pay Collins and Bogdanovich like, I don't know, 30, 36, 37 million a year combined over paying Beal 50 and you get a Kongwu. That makes more sense to me than just paying Beal. Like, what do you think of that? The concept of a three for one for him. Now we could do some Memphis trades too. Same kind of thing. I don't know if Memphis would be as excited to pay him. I think Atlanta seems a little more desperate to me, but should they be thinking that way with three for ones? I think we've always been talking about this. And Bogdanovich, too, is also sneaky older than you think. He's 30. Yeah. Like whenever you're older than Beal. Yeah. Whenever you're like looking at Bogdanovich stuff, you'd be like, oh, wait, that's right. He's older. Uh, I like a Kongu. That kind of feels like a lot for Atlanta. Um, and it would be weird because then I wonder, like, would people start going like, oh, my God, Beal and Trey Young, like, look out east. And then would you be a month in and be like, hey, they're 500. Like, you right. know, can they play? Can they play together? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can. I mean, I think I could see that more so because, like, when it's new, do you remember who was it? The Celtics, yeah. The Celtics added what Kyrie and Gordon Hayward in the same off season. Yeah, or was it Horford? The Horford the year before, but then like no, it was Kay- Kyrie and Hayward. It lasted seven yeah. minutes. Kyrie and Hayward, and then it was pretty clearly like the best off season anybody had had, and then at the very end. The Thunder grabbed Mello to add him to uh, mm. Paul George, and then it was like, oh, Presti won the offseason. You're like, wait, because Mello, who they ended up not even really being able to use. Yeah. Um, so the point would be that if Beal and Trey were to end up on the same team, I could just see the TV shows going like, new favorites in the East. You'd be like, what? based on what? Like newness? A new transaction? So I would, I would love to know just what the level of trust is there on Beal for like, do you want to be here if when we give you this? And <laughs> and you might be right. Like maybe it's better for them to be proactive and saying, actually, we don't want you around for two hundred forty eight million. So when you're going to ask for a trade in a year because we're not yeah. good, which we won't be if we give you this contract. It's like the chicken egg thing. Yeah, and then it gets be that, better like, with this. What would you? What would you do? I mean, because I would trade. Yeah. I, a lot I of try, us, like I, I would honestly take Collins and Bogdanovich and some picks, and I'd be good. I'd be good with that trade. I actually like Collins. I think Collins has become underrated. And I think Beal has become a little overrated for, I think, what people think he is, or at least the casual fans. Um, I would think that. What about, what if they went to Orlando and said, just give us Suggs, we'll give you Beal? That's it. That's the whole trade. You can absorb yeah, I, Beal, give him a new thing, we'll take Suggs. Deal. One for one. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, but. Like, there's no evidence that Beal actually makes you that much better, right? Do we agree on that? And then if you're Orlando, you're like, you know, we just got the number one pick in here. We're kind of we're kind of building with this idea of who we could be in a couple of years, the financial decisions that we have to make. And if we if we grab Beal, that means that we probably like it greatly impacts like who one of the guys you're going to pay later on is. Yeah, 
because one thing I was thinking with one one recourse I was thinking with the Wizards with Beal, if they just traded him for like somebody like a Suggs and just had a bunch of cap space, they could actually get in on the Kyrie sweepstakes. They could <laughs> offer Kyrie two years for the max. And Kyrie's a better player than Beal. He's way less reliable. But you think? they could get, yeah, that's my take. Uh, here's but what they I would have if I, with shit no. like that. I, if I if I were running a front office this summer, I, the rule would be as soon as any don't of bring you start, up Kyrie. Yeah, if you're like <laughs> if any of you come to work leave. on, a, on a Tuesday with a plan for Kyrie, just leave, get out of the room. Well, the only reason I brought that up was maybe maybe Kyrie for the Wizards is KD bait because we have your guy. You're from here. <laughs> it's like a two it's a two part move. I, as crazy as that sounds, it makes more sense to me if I'm trying to win a title than it does to give. Bradley Beal, $50 million. And again, he's a fine player. I, I would say he's one of the best 35, 40 players in the league, probably. Probably the best, one of the best 40 would be my guess. But he will not be, he would be one of the 10 worst assets at that contract. Clay Thompson, who we love, is going to make 40 and 43 the next two years. It's too expensive. He's not a good asset. Like that would be really hard for them to trade him to another team. They wouldn't because they love him. But sometimes these cap figures, and especially with the Supermax, it's really going to get scary the next couple of years with a couple of these contracts, I think. Yeah, I'm not ready to kind of write off Clay. I kind of really look forward to seeing what he looks like with a normal offseason and coming back. $40 million, uh, Clay? $44 I just, million? The way you're describing Clay, I feel like you're kind of, you're resigned to the idea that this is who he's going to look like for the rest of his career, and I'm not ready for that. It's a lot of money. Yeah, but it's, a lot, it's not a lot if he looks like Clay. Again, the salary caps one twenty two. No, I'm, I'm aware. I get it, but I think that you're. I think Clay l- looks so up and down throughout the playoffs that you you think this might be who he's going to be for the rest of his career, and I, I'm just not there yet. It doesn't matter because they're paying him regardless, and that team is going to have a four hundred million dollar payroll this year, and it's going to be awesome. I like but their wh- attitude about it. They're like, "Hey, we're trying to win titles. We don't care what it costs." But like, what? <laughs> You know, it feels a little bit like the baseball position guy contract. Every single one of those sucks. It's yeah. crazy. Like you go, oh, hey, we paid this guy, you know, 11 years, $210 million. You're like, terrible idea. I'm like, oh, we paid this guy. <laughs> right. And you just like go judge. through it. Judge is going to go $400 million bucks. It's going to be a bad contract. Yeah. And by the way, I swear to God, nobody understands arbitration. How did we get to a place where we're in social media with sports people that nobody understands how baseball arbitration works? Like we used to know, know. about this when we were kids. And it's like, oh, he's worth even more than that. You're like, yeah, this is the way this system is set up. It's the yeah. way it's set up, and this is the way it happens. And he can go and argue for a number, and that's what happens. Like, this this is this isn't new. It's kind of like when the third or fourth round quarterback throws a touchdown, and everybody's like, oh, he only makes four hundred grand. What do you want to start doing? Giving guys in the fourth round ten million? Like, right. you know what I mean? So this is what it is. But whenever I look at the baseball position guys, because the pitchers, I think you can make an argument that it makes sense. But when you look at the position guys, you're like, why would you want to keep doing this? But that's kind of the point is that sometimes you just have to. I think there are basketball teams that have to. And I, I, I don't know the, the way to fix it. Maybe it is just a simple sign of trade like you're talking about. But I, I think there's a lot of GMs that would go, yeah, I hated doing that deal. But I kind of had to because I can't replace the asset. Yeah, baseball, you almost want the guy in his 20s and not his 30s is the way the whole sport is set up. That's right. what they've done, basically. Yeah. yeah. You don't want, like the Red Sox are in this situation with Bogarts right now, who I really like watching. He's been an awesome Red Sox. I love him. But 
he's going to want like 150 million bucks and he's going to head into his 30s. And everything about that in baseball is just flashing stop sign. Like, do not do this. Guy is entering his 30s. Do not pay this person a lot of money. Over and over again, we've seen it. Like, it's got to be like 75, 80% of the time. So the Red Sox are in a conundrum with it because it's like, I really like Bogarts and he's been a great guy, you know, in the clubhouse, on the field. He's reliable. He's consistent. But they're probably going to let him go because of that flashing stop sign. Uh, the Beal thing, I was trying to figure out if there was a Lakers possibility with him. And I just don't, sadly, the Lakers are like one trade asset short. But like if the Wizards just took the Westbrook deal for a year, but then got a bunch of picks and pick swaps and gave them Beal, the problem is the Lakers have already given away all that stuff. So they don't really have a lot of options with this. There's the Boston option, but I think everyone in Boston would lose their minds if if it was Jalen Brown and Tice for a Beal sign and trade. Like I, I, Celtics almost won the title. They're not doing that. So I don't really know what Washington's options are, which leads me to the original topic. I think they'll just end up giving him probably like 220. They'll be like, hey, we saved 20. 227. Uh, the report said 248 today. It's, it's jarring. It's just, I feel bad for the Washington fans. I was trying, to, I actually have a theory about stereotypical NBA franchises, but I, I'm going to, we're going to take a break. I'm going to throw it at This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, 
and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. So stereotypical NBA franchises. I was thinking about how certain franchises are just on brand, right? Like OKC loves these limitless, uh, Charks and Kyle Man, we'll talk about this on Friday and Upside High. They love these kind of limitless ceiling guys, you know, that, oh, this guy might be this. That's, that's kind of where they've gravitated to the last couple of years, right? Just all ceiling guys. No, like just, hey, let's take the, let's take, like instead of taking Dang at 11, just let's take Mark Williams. This guy, he's just, he put his hands up. He's, he could be a 15 and 10 guy. That's who he is. Okay, see, he isn't interested in that. They love the high ceiling guys, right? Washington, over and over again, the last 25 years, just gets into this rut with these big contracts to these guys that aren't like truly special, but they're really good players. And that's how they are. Sacramento manages to constantly be in this conundrum of, oh shit, our picks up and the best guy on the board doesn't fit what we have. What do we do? It's just over and over again. They've been 15, 20 years. Do you believe that some franchises, it just becomes Groundhog Day with how they handle this stuff? Or am I overthinking this? No, I'll t- look, you're right on about Sacramento. Like, I can't believe this is what happened. But at the same time, it's it's the most Sacramento thing But you thing can ever. believe it. Yeah, yeah right. Like, I, I was, was we saw the pick come down, we were doing the lottery show. We all started laughing then because, like, you're supposed to take Ivy there and you already knew from a basketball standpoint there was probably an argument to be made against it. Um Washington, like who's the best player they've had? Is it Gilbert Arenas 15 years ago? It's Gilbert in the mid 2000s. It's probably John Wall 2018 and C-Web maybe 1997. I would say that was probably the top three. And then you could argue Bradley Beal two years ago. I mean, he was like 31 and a half a game. He was was, uh, ripping off 30, 35 point games night after night after night. So at least, you know, he's in the discussion, I think. Okay, so if I'd ask you this, do you think it's something Washington does that leads to this? Or do you think it's just what I would probably argue is that, you know, coincidence? Some, team, some teams just get stuck with the non max stars, right? Or I should say the max non stars is the way I should phrase it. But do they get stuck with the non max stars because they keep overpaying the non max stars? Because like I should House. say max, I should say non star max player because they're all getting the max and they don't feel like. Right, they're, just, mar- they're market right. max. They're not true max guys. They're just, right. the market said that they should get a max. But that's How- the way it's always been, though. That I mean, that goes back to when, before I was even in the business with it. It'd be like, oh, you're the best player, so here's your seven-year max. Like, you just kind of got it. Yeah. yeah. House has been rooted for this team his whole life, and they have not really been that good for 40 years. And he's just like, it's preordained. We're going to give Bradley Beal too much money in a year from now. He's going to ask for a trade. But the people running Washington are different than the last people that ran Washington and the people that ran Washington before. So it's like a different front office, basically in the same situations, which is just bizarre. Whereas you have like Detroit, a team that has been, I, to me, they don't have a stereotype. They've been all over the map and then they stumble into this amazing fortuitous 2022 draft where Ivy falls to them at five. They're able to pull off Duran. Now they don't have to sign eight and it looks like. Now maybe they could throw that money at Miles Bridges or even somebody like Bradley Beal. But Detroit's had a Detroit's been way more of a chameleon. They've had a lot of looks, right? They had the Stan Van Gundy era where they're just overpaying people. They had that last Joe Dumars run where he's like overpaying Josh Smith and uh Ben and Gordon. Before that, the Ben Gordon run and Villanueva. 
But then they had the 03 run where all of a sudden they were putting together really smart and like smart Chauncey Billups signing and then a really smart Prince draft pick. And then they steal Rasheed Wallace. So they've been all over the map. Washington has kind of just, just been on the hamster wheel. It's pretty weird. Yeah, Dumars went from like one of my favorite GMs to what the hell are you doing in a very short amount of time. It was weird. Like Joe had an unbelievable run and you're like, is this one of the five best GMs? I thought it was a pretty reasonable thing to say. And then as it just kept falling apart, I was like, what? what's going on? But they had the yeah. cap space. And they're like, bad we gotta, summers. yeah, we got to use this on somebody. And that's what ended up happening. I, I don't I don't know if the Washington thing is specific other than, you know, some teams just aren't going to get the better players and then they're going to get somebody just good enough that they have to pay. And that's like in a weird way. I remember talking with another team about it. I was like, is it more alarming that Beal didn't want out before and only wanted this this max and was like worried about it later? Like he was mm-hmm. okay. Just because every, you know, how long has this been? Two years people talking about him potentially getting traded? And right. then I remember being told he, he didn't want to move. He didn't physically want to. He was just happy being in the same city, figure it out later, get to that 2022, which is exactly how it's gone. So, um, well, it seems like Dame doesn't want to get traded anymore. But yet, the Shaden Sharp pick makes no sense if they're trying to contend right away, other unless they think it's an asset that can be put in a trade, right? Yeah, I mean, they might have just said, hey, we're, we don't like any of the, the trades. Like every single year, man, it's like, oh man, look at all these trades that are going to happen. All these trades are going to happen. And then it just, it's just hard to pull them off because everybody likes their guys and they think everybody's lowballing them. Like that yeah. ended up being like, that was the Jeremy Grant trade. A 2025 first when this that guy got was supposed for to Jalen Duren. Right, right. So, like again, if you really like Jalen Duren and it fell that way, then I'm sure Detroit's thrilled about it. But when you see what Grant was ultimately trade traded for with a year left, so I guess you could argue, well, I got to pay him in a year or whatever. Okay, well, fine. You got him for this year. It's not a terrible number. I thought he was a better player offensively with Detroit, although he's not the kind of guy you want taking 19 shots a game for you if you have yeah. any plans of winning winning games. But, um. The Portland part of it with Dame, what I had always been told about that was that he was somebody who liked it being like his name on the marquee, you know, yeah. the, the not in reality, but just the, the concept of, hey, this is my team. I run the show. I call the shots. His family's close by um, and that he would not be in a hurry to kind of be in somebody else's shadow. Now, however, I thought when Haynes, we talked about that, what it was a year ago where Lillard in his quote to Chris Haynes was basically saying like, you know, it's the fans have been nothing, but I was like, uh Oh, we're talking, we're complimenting the fans. So is this like mm. a, is he throwing a little warning shot out there about what he might do? But, um, I, I think Dame is going to hang out for a year and then we'll revisit it. And then if they have new ownership, then he'll have a better excuse if he doesn't want to worry about alienating a fan base. The more I read and listened and studied the draft and the more I thought about it after we did our massive four parter, I kind of wish they had taken the guy New Orleans took. Dyson? I think, yeah, I think he would have been a better fit for them. I understand the home run pick was sharp, and clearly Schmitz had the most info of anybody, and I get it. They thought that was like a real true ceiling pick. But I think it would have been fun to see him on that team. I think uh, stuff, stuff could have run through him. He could have played yeah. with Dame. I just think... Because they have Grant, it seems like Nurkic is coming back. They'll probably spend the ten point four million mid level on somebody, and all of a sudden that could have been a pretty fun team, right? And I think he could have played right away. It does. I think Sharp seems like, you know, he'll be G League at least for a year. Would be my guess. Yeah, and you still got Simon's. Don't forget too. Um, yeah, 
And because you have Simons, it might have made more sense to take a Daniels. Because yeah. Daniels is huge, man. He's enormous. I like, like that I, you like him so much. And all of our guys really liked him. Yeah. Just that's well, like a unique, the, the fact that like he gets rid of the ball fast, like Lonzo style, where it's just he's not a ball stopper at all. It's the opposite. He's just kind of additive. My yeah, guy, I, I wish you could like shoot. I'm gonna like him. Yeah, his shot. You're not gonna like his shot, but you know, I don't know how how he'll break down the mechanics of that because it takes forever to get out. But here yeah. it is. It's a shot that looks as bad as it looks, and we all still love him. Like mm. that's because every time I'd watch that G League team play, like you start with Hardy because he was kind of the highest profile guy going in, and you're like, oh man, this is kind of kind of tough to watch here. And yeah. then you're going, wait, who's this other guy? And it always and Marshawn was also kind of fun to watch. And then Scoot Henderson, who's number two in the mocks for 2023 behind Wimbanyama, um, mm. who's really good. Scoot's really good. So that team had a lot, but you kept, I would watch for other guys and I kept kind of default going back to Dyson a lot because I just loved how smart he was. Charlotte, speaking of Duran, I think they're another free agency question for me. I don't really understand what they're doing. To me, it would have made sense to just take Duran and Mark Williams. Like it's like the how I've said before how the I want an NFL team to just take two rookie quarterbacks in the same draft. Like fuck it, it's a fifty percent shits anyway. Just take two; one of them would be good. In this case, like I do think those guys bring different skill sets. It's a team that needed bigs anyway. They never have bigs. They could add two. Just resign Bridges, take those two picks. Instead, they kind of flip the pick for future asset, which I don't get. And then, I don't know, is Bridges staying? And what's he worth? That's another one. Like, I really like Bridges, but I don't know if I'd like him at $32 million a year. So, I, is this going to be another thing where they go backwards? They had the big spending spread, spree with that Hayward year. I was like, oh my God, look at Charlotte spending money. Look at these guys. Now it feels like they're regressing and going the other way. I can't, I can't figure out why they traded that pick. That pick had way more value than a future protected Portland pick. I didn't get it. Well, I don't think they would have wanted to take Duran and Mark Williams together. I don't. And I know you've been on the rookie QB thing. And you might be right, by the way, right? We've been over it a million times. Might it's be right. I think it's a little bit more than just the math. Okay? Because whenever I've talked to anybody about the NFL part of this, it's like, hey, what you do is you just keep taking them. You just keep drafting them until you get one. T-shirt okay? cannon. And... I'm like, okay, so I've been, but I do think that we are ignoring the human element of how challenging that would be for like a guy who went fourth and a guy who went 24th and to both be rookie first rounders because you had a second first rounder and be like, all right, you guys fight it out. Yeah. I think, I just think that's a weird dynamic and, you know, depend on the personality as much as the talent and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it feels like Oklahoma City might be doing some of that stuff with the high upside guys where it's like, all right, we have all these picks. It doesn't really make a ton of sense for us to take all of these picks and go throw them at somebody who's mad, who's never going to want to resign here in the first place. Yeah. Um, if we have pick four and six, that really doesn't move you up to number one. So I'd heard a similar theory in that it would be a little bit like your NFL theory, your quarterback thing, where it's like Oklahoma City's just, well, let's just keep taking guys. We'll just keep taking the high ceiling so guys. So Dang and Jalen Williams yeah. and yeah. just hope one of them becomes <laughs> freaky. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Poku. Uh, although Jalen, Poku definitely fits the bill there. I don't know if Jalen Williams, um, this the, uh, the non-Arkansas Jalen Williams, Santa Cruz, yeah. um, 
I, I, he's been around for a little bit. So, well, I don't know. I have Bridges. I mean, he's one of the seven best free agents, right? It's do you whatever, have it? Yeah, I have Beal, Harden, Kyrie, Aiton, Levine, Bridges, and Brunson, and then it you drops have Harden off. as a as a better free agent than Aiton. I'm just saying, like name. Yeah. No, and I, I I'm not ranking those. And then okay. I I'm not putting Simons in there because it seems like he's going back to Portland, but it drops off from that level. All of a sudden, we're in the Colin Sexton, Nurkic, Mitchell Robertson, Portis level. And then it drops off again to that Oladipo, Tyus Jones, Monk, Slow-Mo, DiVincenzo, Bruce Brown. Then it drops again to like the Bruce Brown, Boucher, Looney, Peyton, Gary Harris, Batum, role player level. But the thing is, I do like the free agents in this. I think there's a lot of guys. Like I think about the Celtics. There's 12 Who do you guys. want? Who do you want the most? For the Celtics, give me three your top three. Dream well, so they could that go, are realistic. So it looks like six point three nine mid level tax for them. They could do ten point three five. They'd be hard capped. They'd do that bigger one, or use their actual trade exception, do some sort of sign and trade if they want. So they get they can get creative in a bunch of ways. My dream scenario for them, you're gonna laugh. T.J. Warren. I have no idea if he's healthy, but. The more I think about the last two rounds, they need another wing who can score, who can create a shot, who where the the bench just isn't going to die for five minutes and who <laughs> will prevent a situation where you have five points in the deciding game of your season from your bench. Or in the game before the deciding game of your season, game five in Golden State, you have to play Jalen and Jason the entire second half because you literally do not have a wing you can bring in for them. That's what they have to fix. People are like, the Celtic fans are like, oh, need a playmaker, just smart push. Should we trade smart? It's like, it's not about the point guards. They were a wing short. That's why they lost the finals and the Warriors were great. That was the other reason. But they did not have a wing. They weren't able to play Neesmith. They didn't have any sort of free agent, whatever, midseason pickup, you name it. They didn't have that guy to come in and play 20 minutes and, and hit some threes and like, oh my God, he had 16 points in 12 minutes. They didn't have that guy. And I think it could be TJ Warren if he's healthy. That's I'm not laughing case. at. I'm not laughing at that um, because the only reason you're going to get him is because they don't know what they have anymore with him, right? Uh, he hasn't I mean, been healthy since the bubble, dude. This guy's played the, forever. Yeah, he hasn't played since the bubble, and that's why it's like, could you get him for, you know, like one of those Patty Mills, like six million for one year player option for the second prove it contract? I think he would really help them if he's healthy. Um, I mean, ironically, Peyton would be amazing for them um, because that's somebody who could play 20, 25 minutes. But I don't see any chance of uh, of the Warriors letting them go. Then two more. I think Slow-Mo, who I think they've liked for a while. I think Slow-Mo would be, he brings ball movement and he's just been in big games and you could have thrown him into that game five in Golden State and he could have played 20 minutes. And then last but not least, my guy Monk. My guy Monk's out there. <laughs> you can't quit him. Can he come off the bench and just get hot for seven minutes? That They didn't have that last year. Once teams figured out Grant, once Pritchard's shot went sideways, and once White got there in the headlights, where were they going? Yeah, I still like the White trade. I do. I do too. He just got, you know, he got spooked for whatever reason as that series went along. Lost his confidence. You sent a text to us that needs more needs to get more credit. Because it's really funny. I laughed. Your 
approach to the Jalen Brunson sweepstakes and then asking, is this the worst sweepstakes we've ever had? <laughs> that was my <laughs> next question for you. <laughs> that needs to be recognized and you need to get more credit for that because it's, it's true. Again, it's nothing against him, but I, if I have to read another fucking article on his relationship with the coaching staff and he used to work out in high school near the yeah. area and then all this stuff, and you're like, dude, it's still like he's a nice player. It's still Jalen Brunson. This, people are talking about this like it's clearing cap space for LeBron in 2010. It's pretty rough. I to me, it's like it's like our dynasty discussion a week ago. <laughs> I just like to be careful when I use words like dynasty and sweepstakes <laughs> and goat. I I'm not a guy who just throws those around. Goat's been it's been knocked down. All of our analysts that cover goat were like, yeah, just. His value is not what it was. So whenever everybody says goat now, if somebody says like, "Oh man, it's the goat," I'm like, whatever. Um, but well, it's like top stakes, five guys, another one, top five guy, top ten top, guy. Yeah, we're, we're get, we we do that done. all the time. But no sweepstakes. You need. It's a really it's a really good question because is this the lowest level of player again? Nothing against Jalen Brunson, the lowest level of we talent like them that people have been like w- waiting on. Pay, like man, we did it. We did it. Got him. I just think that this has been alarming. <laughs> I have a bunch of Nick fans in my life, and we talked about this on Thursday, that are just like, what the fuck is going on? What is going on? We, we basically were moving heaven and earth to get Jalen Brunson. Where, where, where are we going? What's going to happen? This is, what, this is year three? The results could be Jalen Brunson? This is where we are? I don't know. I, I think... You could get so much more creative. Like, for instance, if John Wall's going to get bought out, you can get John Wall for like, I don't know, $7 million? That's a way more interesting. Like, th- I think they're probably scarred from the Kemba thing last year. But all you have to do is ask anybody who watched the Celtic game. Like, don't do that. They didn't. Um, but then I John- saw Kemba, Kemba on like a Lakers watch list because he's catching shoot threes. He was still at 40% last year. That's the sneaky, weird thing about the Kemba part of it is you would look at some of wherever Kemba ends up, somebody's going to argue some of the more traditional numbers and be like, you know, for a guy who everybody dumped on last year, he's pretty good. And you're like, yeah, he was actually sort of unplayable too in a weird way. He was hunted. Um, yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, I think he was the most hunted. I would give Wall a shot at $7 million. Me too. I, I no was thinking question. about him for the Celtics. Like, could he be an interesting Celtic mid-level guy? Because that's what it feels like, what the number would be. Hey, take 40 on the 47, and then you'll go make it up somewhere else. So it saves us a little bit of money. Um, I don't know if Houston's motivated to try to get that done. They haven't been super motivated to want the guy around. Uh, but I would, if I didn't have much else going on, I'd kick the tires on that for one year with John Wall. Why not? I have, I have an even crazier John Wall idea. Why don't they just bring him back and play him? He said they're going to have Jalen Green and Jabari and our guy Shangun. Um, I don't know. They're going to have a lot of shooters. They're going to be fun. They're going to be playing loose and running. Like, who's their point guard? Why not? If they're going to play Ty Ty Washington. I would like at least want to see what John Wall looked like in training camp before I bought him out. I know they just told him to go away for a year, but let's take a look at it. For if we're going to buy him out for forty, maybe he's worth it. Just to see what we have. Maybe worst case scenario, he plays well for two months and you might be able to trade him as an expiring. You know? Maybe you could build up his trade value. I don't know. I like the would you, I like the pieces. Would you do the Westbrook deal for him that, that I think LeBron wanted to do last year before the deadline? Yeah, but the, I wouldn't if I was the Rockets unless I was getting one of those picks. 
And that's the thing. If you're the Lakers, you, you can't trade those picks so you can go from being an eight seed to a seven seed. You know, I want to talk about them in a second. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside. LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're just You're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside. Do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions. But right now, I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is... The one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. I have more free agency questions for you, but I just had to redo these odds on FanDuel. These are the NBA title odds. Stop me if you're surprised by any of these numbers. Golden State's plus 550. They're the favorite. Milwaukee and Boston, 6-1. to one. Clippers plus 650. Nets 9 to 1. Phoenix 10 to 1. Philly 16 to 1. Miami 17 to 1. Dallas 21 to 1. Denver and Memphis 22 to 1. Any of those jump out to you as like that was either too low or too high? Uh, The Brooklyn one's pretty, pretty forgiving as of right now. That's how I felt. Yeah, like you guys are still putting a decent number on this. Why isn't like, that like 25 to 1? Because they just are afraid of getting action on it and then it's all being resolved and everybody comes back in 48 hours. You know what I mean? Because there's still a chance that... If there's still a chance Durant and Kyrie are playing basketball for this team next year. Maybe it actually looks like a, a basketball team on top of everything else. Um, everybody's off of Phoenix now, which is kind of funny. I don't know why the a Clippers... Little too fa- a little too yeah. far off, don't yeah. you think? Yep. Clippers, that seemed fair to you? I think it seems hopeful. Well, the reason I brought up the odds was the Lakers. Let me just make sure I have this exactly. I was surprised by the Lakers. 
they were 22 to 1, the same odds as Memphis. Now, the Lakers are a public team. I get it. But I, I just don't see any scenario where they win the title next year. To me, that seems like a terrible bet. Like Toronto's 48 to 1. The Bulls are 48 to 1. New Orleans is 60 to 1. I'd rather bet on New Orleans at 60 to 1. It's more conceivable. There are more like conceivable paths to be for them than there would be for the Lakers. But I get it. The, the Lakers are a public team. They want to jack the odds and get action. But man, I mean, the, the two players. No, I mean, I mean that's it's ridiculous that they would have better odds than Memphis. Yeah, um, but we already answered it, so I don't need to add more to it. Would you do? Uh, would you do the Kyrie Anthony Davis stuff? So what is that exactly? That's, well, there's, there's that a would bunch be of, Ka- Kyrie NKD for Davis and Westbrook. I don't think the Nets would do that. So what's the trade then? Um. Well, it would be any. It would be any one of the ridiculous ones that I've read that I don't think are going to happen. Is my point? You know what I mean? Like they've. Have you seen basically anything that you would want to point out? And be like, hey, would you do Anthony Davis or Kyrie Irving? So I go on with Cowherd. He hates Anthony Davis. His position is strong right now. It's very anti anti Anthony Davis for years. And he's like, you wouldn't do Anthony Davis or Kyrie? And I was like, no, I wouldn't do that. I was like, at least Anthony Davis still wants to play. He just as hurt. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills with the Kyrie thing. I've never seen somebody more overvalued for what has actually happened the last five years. Like just even just look, go watch the playoff series against Boston, which just happened two weeks or two months ago. And how he just kind of, as that series went along, became less and less and less impactful. And I thought a liability on defense. So I'm just taking Davis every time. Davis only been in the league 10 years. And clearly put on too much weight next year. I still feel like there's a world where he can come back and be a 25 and 12 guy again. I wouldn't put those. To me, it would be AD or K, AD and KD would at least to me be a conversation on both ends. We're not mm. worried about like KD's money. I mean, you can just say, hey, what about his health? Because I'd say he's had more blips than, you know, certainly some of the other guys. But he does seem to come back and figure it out and you know look that Nets team had a great record when he went down and he was in the MVP conversation granted right. it felt like there was about seven people in the MVP conversation for this year but I would not be doing anything um that would that would lead to be trading Kevin Durant at this point I just I wouldn't so Miami if it was we didn't talk about them when we did our trades the other day I forgot to bring them up or maybe we did and we for didn't Durant? Our, yeah, just like how funny it would be if if it was Butler and Hero for Durant. If they actually traded Butler. Uh, how cutthroat that would be. But who's more cutthroat than Pat Riley? Pat Riley took Stan Van Gundy's job before the title season. He's like, nah, I'll, I'll take it from here, Stan. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting basketball trade. But to reunite Butler and Ben Simmons, I think would be the funniest part of that. Yeah, that's the other thing I constantly keep having to remind myself that Ben Simmons is on the Nets. <laughs> I think I think KD's <laughs> reminding himself of that too. So I'll be like, oh, that's right. He's he's still on the Nets. Go ahead. Did we talk about Zion straight up for KD the last time? I can't remember on Thursday. Not with me. KD has more trade value than than Zion. Yeah. Right? 
So it'd be had have to be Zion and picks. And you'd have to assume that KD would be excited to move to fucking New Orleans. Yeah. But that's the best basketball situation of all these basketball situations. That's the one team that made the first round of the playoffs and almost advanced that showed real promise and could trade somebody and not lose any of the pieces that showed real promise and just had the eighth pick in the draft and has a bunch more first round picks. And then if you're Brooklyn, that's a pretty good reset. Cause that I was thinking Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram initially. And then I was like, eh, what if, if you're going to do that, why wouldn't it just be Zion? But I thought that was, that's I a fun like- idea. That's not my idea, by the way, that's been out there. Yeah, but you know what's funny about that one is the perception of whose trade value is more. It should probably be Ingram with Zion's injury history, but right. Zion probably gets you any player right now because you're still hopeful that, you know, okay, he'll figure it out. And by the way, we got Zion posting more more photos than a, a college girl in Tulum uh, right now. I mean, we have all the different angles of Zion. I don't know what the hell this guy does. His 360? Body. No, I just don't know what he... It's unbelievable depending on the angle and lighting um, you know, who this who this guy can look like. And then the times you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with him? And then like the next day, it's crazy. So. I'm trying, yeah, I'm going to hold off on the joke. Wait. Um, <laughs> oh. Nah, I'm not doing it. 10 years ago, I'm all over the joke I was going to make. Uh, I think gonna, I had one brewing. I'm going to give you, too. I'm going to give you eight players who would not be traded straight up for Kevin Durant. In no particular order. Giannis, Luka, Jokic, Curry, Morant, Embiid, Tatum, and Evan Mobley. You don't think Cleveland would trade Evan Mobley? For Kevin Durant, no. You, you think do? that's it? It's the only eight. Well, I'm going to give you a couple more. Straight up, nothing else in the trade. Devin Booker. You wouldn't do it or you don't think Phoenix would do it? I don't think the Nets would do it. You don't think the Nets would do it? Nope. I think the Nets would have done any of the previous eight guys I mentioned. I'll read those eight guys again. Giannis, Luka, Jokic, Curry, Morant, Embiid, Tatum, and Mobley. I think the Nets are in on all of those. Uh, it's a fancy way of me saying that I have Durant ninth in my trade value. No, I get it. I like this, though. You don't think Giannis, no-brainer, Luka, no-brainer, Steph, because you got to think of what these people mean to the franchise. Steph's never getting traded. Yeah. It'll never happen ever at any point, ever. What about Ja? No way. Because of what he means to the city? and what, it's these- No way. By the way, he is the most popular player in the league under 25. Like on, on social, he was the most popular player the league had, like on social and other platforms, the way they measure that. Like Ja was like number one. He's untradeable in my So opinion. if you're running the Grizzlies and the Nets call up and say, hey, we'll do this, you say no. You think they say no? Would you say no? I think the Grizzlies would say no. And I think the Nets would say yes. So for the listeners, Rousseau is really his eyes are going in it's that just, direction. It's just it's we're talking about Kevin Durant here. Year sixteen you know? next year. I know, I know. Jaws like twenty two. 
Who's better next year, the Grizzlies with Ja or Kevin Durant? Oh, that's a great question. Well, who's playing point guard? They already they're going to lose Tyus Jones. They're going to lose. Who's the other point guard who used to play for them? Well, Melton they're going to lose. Ke- bring Ky- it up they sometimes too. Yeah, they lost slow mo. They're going to have a bunch of young guys. Bain could probably just play it. I think they're better with Ja. I love KD. I just think Ja's like the engine of that team. They're never not trading him. Tatum for KD. Tatum just beat him in a series, so we can't have that conversation. I just think Mobley's upside. There's just that would be the dumbest trade of all time if you're Cleveland. So you uh, think you, but you think Cleveland would say no to Mobley, but you think Detroit would say yes for Cade? Well, that was what I was going to ask because my next three were in whatever order you have it: Booker and Edwards and Cade. And I don't think Minnesota would. I, I don't think either team would do it. I don't think Brooklyn would trade KD for Anthony Edwards, and I don't think Minnesota would do it either. We're starting to get to some names here where even as much as we love Anthony Edwards or what Cade is, you'd be like, wait, I get Durant for you know a couple more years here. But you have to factor in you're you're not you're not just getting the player in a simulation game. You're getting a guy who just created his own life in New York and now he has to move his ass to Minnesota and live in Minnesota and play right. for this team that's never won. And that's the part when, when these fake trades happen. You have to factor in if it's the undesirable team, the guy going to that team, the way this league works where guys are unhappy all the time anyway, like he's not going to be happy in Minnesota. So if you're in Minnesota, you're like, we have this young guy at a rookie deal who likes playing here, who's super happy, who's only going to get better or we could trade for this other guy who's going to be unhappy the moment he shows up. So that's why it's an argument. The Booker one is fascinating because Katie's just a better player than Devin Booker. Um, but Booker's way younger. He likes being there. You know, I don't, I don't, I think that would be a tough one. And then if you're the Nets, like I, I don't know if that's enough for Kevin Durant unless there's other stuff thrown in. This is fun though. It's a fun game. It is because it does bring us back to the Phoenix part. We haven't really even talked about Aiton. Um, What's that was um, next to my list? You want to okay. do that now? Yeah. Well, he's. It seems like the Pistons are probably out, and that they're going to go with a wing in some way over like spending a center. So his his options all of a sudden are Spurs and Orlando and OKC. OKC, you know, they just took Chet. They don't need him. I don't see them signing Aiton and putting him with Chet. So now we're basically down to. Orlando, who has Wendell Carter, and then the Spurs, who are in these DeJounte Murray trade rumors for reasons I still don't understand. I don't understand those either. I don't, and I really didn't understand the Atlanta one, you know, because it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense that you would play him with Trey unless you felt like having another on-ball creator who's really good would lessen the burden for Trey instead of just, hey, these late playoff games where... You do the same play every time. And if that's, you know, they feel like they're a really predictable basketball team because he's going to have the ball in his hands so much. Uh, I thought Atlanta was potentially in on some stuff with him, but I feel like Atlanta's been connected to every possible rumor going. And they're leaking it to everybody. If I was another team, I would, and I was talking to Atlanta, I would just, I would just call, after I hung up, I would just call Woj and Chris Haynes and Shams and everybody else. It was like, hey, I just talked to Atlanta. Here's what we talked about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like hold on I'm on the phone with Atlanta I'll call you Never back. okay but but just because something doesn't fit basketball wise 
can't don't dismiss another team being like, hey, we have this cap space. The cap space is going away. So, you know, let's just go grab an asset like an eight. Maybe he's not perfect for our timeline. Maybe he's not perfect because of some roster. Maybe he does get in the way of some of these other guys. But if we have this asset, that means that we at least have another piece to play with here. And now our talent level was here and we've we've raised it. Uh, when I talked to Weltman from Orlando on Friday after the draft, the sense I got from them with their cap space is he he reminded me like twice in that same answer that they would if if they kind of held serve here would have as much cap space as anyone next summer. Yeah. So I I really I felt like he was doing me a real solid there of of kind of hinting at I think we'd like to see how this year goes. Now maybe some opportunity presents itself and it changes the plan, but it felt like he was leaning towards we really want to try to preserve where we'd be at in twenty and twenty three and see where we're at. Well, one of the teams that could have cap space is the Wizards if they let uh, Bradley Beal go. But it, it seems like a more likely scenario to me now that it's a sign and trade for somebody else's expensive guy if Phoenix was going to do something like that. Um, and for Aiton, maybe that's his path out unless he just resigns with Phoenix, which I guess we can't rule out. You know, I think, and I'm guilty of this too, I just felt like Aiton was on his way out. But if he doesn't have the right team, I think it should be the Spurs. I think that makes so much sense. I would like that team. I mean, our guy Sohan's there. I like Murray. They have a bunch of like interesting shooter swingman people. And then uh, just to throw Aiton in the mix, um, you got to spend your money on somebody. And if it's, what, 32, 33 million, somebody's got to do, it makes me so mad when people don't do the RFA offers and put these teams, you know, on a stranglehold to decide what to do, right? On July 1st, somebody should give that dude an offer for 120 and put Phoenix on the clock to decide what to do with it. But you always see that it's like very gentlemanly in the NBA with that stuff. That It's mm. not nearly as cutthroat as I wish it was. Not always, though, because, I mean, sometimes they would poison pill them. We were talking about that stuff with Daryl the other day. Yeah, that was back nine to, years ago, though. Yeah, I know. It was a long time ago because um, he had the contracts were so backloaded. Those are the different poison pill ones as opposed to the rookie uh, extension thing. But... um. You know, it used to be way worse. Remember, if you put in a restricted offer, your cap space was tied up to that offer for like right. two weeks or some absurd. Yeah, prohibitive. Number. Yeah. So it was kind of being like, you can you can make an offer. And they've since changed that where it's, you know, it's only a matter of days now, I believe. But I I think if you're a team like San Antonio and I mean, okay, Murray's nice. I like their draft picks. Absolutely. Uh, I think Kendall... Johnson, somebody or Kelton is somebody who doesn't get a, a, like much love at all. And you look at what he does, you're like, this guy's pretty steady. Um, I would think they would just be like, hey, let's be better. Like, how, cause they don't ever seem to want to blow it up. Yeah. So they'd be a team that would, it would seem to make sense. And I guess the other thing too is that when you talk to other teams, they all seem to think Aiton's going to leave because he wants to leave so badly now because it is strained. But look, if they match it, I don't know. He's not going anywhere. I just have a hard time. I have a harder time believing that they're going to let him walk for nothing um, than just matching it. We agree. The uh, The only other thing I had that I'm really intrigued by is the Boston-Milwaukee. We talked about Boston already, but Milwaukee with all of these dudes that, you know, I mean, even I mentioned a bunch of free agents before, but there's even this whole other list of like Andre Drummond, Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio, Goran Dragic, both Martin brothers, Dennis Schroeder, JaVale, Javon Carter. There, there's like 30 guys like that that I feel like could play in a nine-man rotation in a playoff series. And, you know, I, I think much like Boston, 
Milwaukee really needs that one more wing, some, somebody in the perimeter so that Grayson Allen doesn't have to play all the minutes he played in that last round. Now, Middleton was part of that, but um, they felt a guy short, maybe a guy and a half short last year. Boston was definitely a guy short. And there's really good guys available. And I think they're going to be competing for the same types of guys. Like Milwaukee could easily be a TJ Warren team too. So um, I think it's because the contracts are shorter now, just in general. There's just seems like there, and maybe there's more talent too. There just seems like there's more guys that I could see in a playoff series available in free agency versus like the old days of like the Jerome James for 30 million, <laughs> you know, where we were like reaching for free agents. Now it's like some of these guys are pretty good. Like I thought Javon Carter should play in that Celtics Bucks series more, you know, and he's probably like the 61st free agent on the list. Yeah, Jerome, he got that after what, that three game series of Seattle? Yeah, I was joking about it in my column that Isaiah was going to sign him before he got signed. And then Isaiah signed him. It was great. It was unbelievable. It was one of the great contract runs we've ever had. And it had no correlation to any other run in his career. I mean, he was like a five and three guy forever. <laughs> and then just got hot. There's who was the matchup? Of those what, over the years. what was the matchup? Was there no other center that he, who he went up against? I thought it was against San Antonio. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think that's why people got excited. I mean, the best one of these ever was probably Marvin Webster. He had in the 78 playoffs, he had this like huge run when he was in the Sonics and they ended up losing the title to Washington. But then he got signed by the Knicks. He got on the cover of Sports Illustrated and it was just like, it was like he turned into Dwayne Dedman like overnight. But there's been some good ones over the years. So is that not a vote for uh, Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Dedman? Yeah, he was not on my list. Thought he's pretty unplayable. Nurkic is another one that I think everybody thinks he's going to go back to Portland and I don't know. And then there's the dudes who could be available for nothing like Duncan Robinson. There's a bunch of those guys too in like the 15 to 18 million range that I think the Celtics could be interested for for the uh, the trade exception, stuff like that. Do you have a team that you feel like is kind of one, not a top three guy, but somebody from like four to six on a team that you feel like they could jump up? Because for me, it's Milwaukee's that team. I think Milwaukee would be the favorite if they got one other good guy, like a top five guy to add to what they have with Middleton coming back. Well, look, Middleton missing this series probably cost them a ring because I don't know what... It seems like Gold- it did. It seems like it did. It's assuming a lot with Golden State. Maybe Golden State <laughs> shoots shoots their way through it and, and beats Milwaukee. So I won't, we don't want to say it's a certainty, but like I just think I think Golden State without any size having to deal with Giannis for a seven-game series. It's a disaster. Listen, they, it all came around because in 2019, they should have won and they had that crazy run injuries and they lost to Toronto and they almost won anyway. And now in 2022, it all circled back. Yeah, usually so. if you have a bunch, it usually feels like it's the right number. Like New England feels like the right number. Bama, I've already done this rant before, so yeah. I don't need to do it again. Um, I think the Warriors 4 is the right number. Yeah. Yeah, it does, because you could take away 15 or you could give them 16 or with the Draymond thing, whatever. Uh, I think LeBron's heat run, two and a half was probably the number, and they ended up at two. But it easily could have been three. But it also but think, could have been one. Right. But I'm just saying like, Looking at the way it was laid out for them in the East, especially the, they really, and knowing that Rose basically lasted a year and got hurt, like you just look back and be like, man, that, that either could have been two or three. 
You're right. So though. it could have been one. So you're looking for a team that adds one other piece. I, it might be Boston. If they get a wing who can score, they're going to be really good next year. You would think, too, that they, they'll be going into next year with different expectations of themselves, which I think is one of the most important things in sports. Like, do yeah. you now look at yourself a little differently when you look in the mirror? Do you, and you're now holding yourself to a standard where you're like, no, we, we expect to win an NBA championship, not be a below 500 team in January, wondering if anybody gets along, wondering if the coaching hire was the right guy. Like, they don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. I mean, they could struggle, but they're not going to have these doubts of the unknown because they put together a really impressive season this year. So um, I would think if they added another piece and just the mentality of entering a season coming off of what they just did with with real expectations, not just, hey, we want to sound cool and a quote expectations, I would think that they'd be, you know, primed to to get through it again because you still don't know what's going on with Brooklyn. I think Philly's a tough team to default to being like, yeah, they could be the best. Um, that Mountain you know, trade was good, though. I like that trade for them. I, yeah, I really like that trade for them. You know, the weird thing, too, is that when you looked at the top teams, you're like, okay, you know, these are 51, 53 win teams. So it's kind of where than, the league is now. Yeah, other than Phoenix. But then you could, every single fan base goes, well, we missed, we had all these guys that were missing. I don't know if you heard it, but when I was doing um, the solo stuff when I was back in Boston for the finals, I went through the top 25 scorers, and on average, they missed like 21 games this past season. Now, some of that's because of protocol, um, but on the whole protocol, I think it was like 1,500 games. And even then, sometimes protocol, you, you're not like, hey, we'll just put them in protocol or whatever if we're not 100% yeah. sure. So the top 25 players missed an average of like over 21 games in scoring. Top 25 scores. It just made it really simple. Three years ago, four years ago, it was an average of six games missed by the top 25 scores. So we're in the third, we've gotten through the third year of another weird year of who's available and who isn't. But when you look at the top of the league going, wait, are these teams just not that good? Or is it the talent is dispersed more? Each single fan base will point to, well, we didn't win as many. Because, yeah, but if everybody was missing somebody, then that kind of all balances it all out. Because almost everybody, I mean, hell, Boston might have been the healthiest of the group other than Phoenix. So I did a lot of recon on this, trying to figure out what happened to Tatum and trying to figure out the exhaustion piece and all that stuff. The consensus, not just from the Boston side, but just in general, was that um, there was enough credit given to the players and realized by everybody who follows the league about how hard those three th seasons were in a row, basically. Just how much basketball that was and how insane, how we're going to look back at that. And I think that ties into what you just said about the scores missing an average of 21 games. I just think the way those seasons played out from the moment the pandemic happened and they had the race back and they basically cramming in a whole extended postseason, then those two other seasons all next to each other. I just think there was a lot of bad effects that everybody seems to be super fired up that everything is going to be normal again. But especially with Boston, people just seem to think like Tatum played a lot of basketball. I'm not making excuses for him. That was the, because his shoulder wasn't hurt, right? I mean, he had the stinger or whatever. But the guy in the Nets series and the guy who finished that Warriors series were not the same guy. And I, I do think he ran out of gas. But that's what he has to learn. That's, that's how you become great is not running out of gas. Um, re realizing it's a marathon, not a sprint, all that, all that cliche stuff. But the Curry piece with the Warriors, you know, Curry missed. Curry didn't Month. play a ton of basketball. And he, met, he had that whole, that, that season after 19 when he basically 
you know, he got hurt. He missed the yeah, whole ton of it. Yeah. They didn't make the playoffs last year. This year, he missed a bunch of time and was really, really fresh as that playoffs went along, which I think helped them. Yeah, I just think he's so much stronger, too. You know, I think he... That's the piece. Did you read the right piece about why he's so much better defensively? Oh, well, see, here's the thing. I've always defended his defense forever. But I feel like he's like an asset now. Am I crazy? I'm not going to tell you. No, I I think people go into switch against him and then they're like, oh, wait, you know, he competes, he gets in the right position. So you think you're overpowering him. I'd love to know. You know, I guess I could look it up. I don't know what the points for... Yeah, but he he always was smart. He was always positioned correctly. Yeah. Um, but I also just think he's so much stronger, which is crazy because his drives. I, I felt felt like that 15, 16, 17 run, you know, 18, whatever is still part of it. Like you thought, could he really get you, could he go to the hoop when you needed him to get you a bucket? Could he break you down and finish at the rim? Yeah. And there's just better options in the NBA than Steph Curry to have that. Some of the finishing at the rim stuff he was doing. I thought on top of the defense, like he's he's put the work into his body, and you can see it. And his game has uh, has benefited from it because I think he needed he needed all that extra strength, you know, t- to close this thing out. And the way he played at the end of Game Six, you know, he's getting isoed against Horford, you know, and there was no resistance. I don't know if he I don't know if he would go with that option, you know, four years ago, five years ago in the playoffs. They're definitely gonna be better next year. I would think so. Clay will be better. They're, they're young guys. I think will be more helpful than they were this year. They'll actually be able to play them. I really think Moody can help them. Um, if they bring Peyton back, the continuity they have, the coaching, all that stuff, the fact that even Atkinson came back, it's going to be basically the same team with a lot more confidence and a lot more swagger, and they'll be really smart about the minutes. Um, before we go, you want to uh, you want to do pop culture stuff? Did you yeah. watch the old man? No. No, I haven't watched God it. God damn it. What, I Wait, was well, fucking begging you to watch it. I fucking login stuff is a mess right now. I just, we're, we're over here in a you maze. You have login issues? Yeah, just a maze of confusion trying to get into different things. What are, um, what are your summer post no basketball plans? What are you well, thinking? Any, any sort of uh, TV deep dives? How are you going to replace it? I'd like to watch less TV. Uh, I was looking into Iceland. Oh, you're Rec- thinking trips now? Oh, yeah. No, no, big time. Then there's a South of France thing I kept putting off. I've had it scheduled like three times and something would happen. One time it was a, a tryout at 710 ESPN Radio. They were like, just do it for us. It'll be your call. And I, I came back, was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to move to LA. It was like 15. Mm. And they're like, no, we actually, we, we're kidding. It wasn't your call. I was like, yeah, I just canceled the trip to France for this fake tryout. They're like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> See? It's so like, France right. is still calling you. France, yeah, France is a, strong quite strong possibility I, yeah i got a couple things that i want to do so you know i haven't really you know i don't know i i need a bit of a, a reset here so I'm, I'm looking forward to it but I, you're like yeah, jason I, tatum you need a reset yeah i do i do i don't know what you're not traveling at all this summer the only thing i know i'm doing is i have to go to sweden to meet all these Spotify people that I haven't met since we got bought 29 so months happen, ago right yeah, it was supposed yeah. to be, happen when we got but so I, I've never, and I've never been to that part of the country. So that'll be I, fascinating. I haven't even been on a long trip like that really since the 2012 Olympics, like flying that far away. So that's the one thing I know I have to do, but you know, I'm not, I, I'm the opposite of most people. Like, <laughs> like I'm so excited to wind down and not do anything 
and just kind of get shit together and like do the drives with my son to freaking football practice and stuff like that versus uh, scrambling around. So I don't, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Right now, I I felt weird the last couple of days though, not having to like sit in front of Synergy because I was that's all I was doing towards the end, right from the draft, and so there is this massive hole of like, wait, I don't like I got up on Saturday and was like, you don't have to sit in front of this all morning, and football is still at least two months away. Good, I don't. Yeah, it's people people going like, oh man, I have to wait eight more weeks for football. I'm like, yeah, it's fine, man. Cool, take your time. I was listening to, um, I was driving around in the car, listening to WEI on my, on my car and this on through, through, uh, Spotify, through the Odyssey app. Okay. And they were talking about the Pats receivers. It was great. I felt like I was in Boston. They were like, and it was, it was actually a good segment. I was impressed. It was, I, I don't, the three guys, it was like a guy named Fitzy, Kyrie Thompson, and, and, uh, I'm going to blank on the third guy, but, um, but they were doing this segment about how the Pats don't have a number one receiver, but they have a lot of number two receivers. And it's like, can that be better in some ways? And I don't know, within 10 minutes, they got me kind of excited about football. I was like, yeah, maybe you don't need a number one receiver. Maybe you could just have a lot of different receivers. It was, it was great. It was the perfect like summer football segment that I didn't realize I had been uh, waiting for. I used to love the, breaking camp and then the four preseasons and you're sitting there on the Monday after another preseason week and you're like, they've got too many good players. Like, I'm at 55. I can't believe they're going to cut this guy. How are they going like, to do? You're freaking out about the 53-man roster. Local radio, man. The third guy was Brian Barrett. He was good. The guy, Kyrie, Kyrie, I think his last name is Thompson. He covers the Pats. He told this story about the second-round pick they drafted, that he was the fastest person he'd ever seen on a football field. Um. And he told this story about how he just ran straight and he was like, it was hilarious. Like people were laughing at how fast he was. I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is, there's something about local sports radio that's just really, uh, really heartwarming. Anyway, I'm going to start listening to more EI because I'm, I'm into this Red Sox season now. The Red Sox sucked me back in. I can't believe it happened. I've been watching a lot. I, I'm, I just can't believe it. They have the worst, worst, most eclectic, unconventional heart attack of a bullpen. And just guys are moving. That there's guys that weren't even pitching a month ago that are pitching in eighth innings. Tanner Hawk is now the uh, now the closer who's supposed to be the starter all year. Uh, Whitlock is hurt. They finally figured out how to burn out. I have no idea how they're doing it. And they just went through this gauntlet of bad teams that they had to kick their asses, and they did. And now they're kind of set. They're the number one wild card. This team was an abomination. So anyway, I've been back into it. Yeah, I keep seeing all the minor league guys that are supposed to be awesome. Yeah, they're they're in a in that weird, like they have a bunch of free agents coming up, but then they have a really good farm system. And it's like, do you just let all these dudes go? Cause the farm, but you always know how that turns out in baseball. Half the guys end up being bus. Yeah. Phil, like Phil, Phil Plantaritis. I'm getting Blaze Jordan updates on my phone. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Twitter is uh, the best. Twitter is the best way to follow these minor league prospects too, because you know you can just watch these guys hit these bombs, and you don't know where they are. They're like, you know, they're in like Nebraska, playing some single A thing. It's like, look at that five hundred foot homer. I was pretty excited to pick up O'Neill Cruz on my fantasy team. Mm. Six seven shortstop for the Pirates. 
I uh, I actually deep dived him a little bit because I couldn't believe there's a six seven shortstop. I didn't even they, understand how that happened. They were trying to say that he'll if he plays the full season he'll be the tallest. There's been guys that have been six seven that have played shortstop, but it wasn't necessarily like their primary position the whole time. So I don't know. It's so funny how there's certain sports or positions where height becomes this huge detriment and you just don't see it. The golf's like that. We have no like six eight golfers. There's no there there's no Victor Zambawai Wamba. Wampanyama Big for golf. Like, oh my God, this golfer is seven foot three. He can hit every shot. It's like, it just never happened. The future of golf is probably like five foot nine. But uh, the six foot seven shortstop, it's like, really? I mean, the Otani thing's amazing too. It's like we watch more and more baseball when there's nothing going on. The fucking guys, I, I, they're almost going to have to figure out how to get him in one of the big markets, it seems like. I don't I'm not know a big it, market, small yeah. market guy, but I do think he needs to be in one of the biggest teams. But like when you think about these big conversations we have, right? Yeah. Like there was one time it was like, could Aaron Judge save baseball? Right? And you're like, well, he might well, be saving it this year. Right. And you're like, well, what, what, what happens where somebody goes, I wasn't interested, but that Aaron Judge, you know, I'm going to stick around and watch Sunday night. Uh, I don't know if that's possible. If, if Shohei Atani can't, get people interested in it. But I, you know, I don't, I know it's been discussed in the past, you know, depending on, on the connection that he would or wouldn't have to a fan base here in the States. But he's, he's like this thing that we, we were told was impossible forever. Yeah. And he's, he's having the week that he just had. And okay, if he were with the Dodgers or he were with the Yankees, you know, or if he were with the Cubs, would, would baseball actually like, I just feel like these conversations keep recycling and I don't know if any of them are paying off for the way people think that one baseball player can try to get this, the momentum of the sport back in the right direction. You're missing one piece of it though. All that matters is the playoffs in baseball. Cause I think you have a lot of fans that just float in for the last six weeks, right? Him not being in the playoffs year after year is a disaster. That's what I mean by he needs, he just needs to be on a team that's going to be, consistently better that's going to spend money that will be in the mix in October. To just not have him in October is nuts. It would be like if, I don't know, if LeBron for the first like 10 years of his career just didn't play in the playoffs ever. You know? The playoffs ultimately is I, I think where they, where baseball gets the crossover stuff. You know, and from the mainstream audience to casual fans. Some people just float in for the last six weeks. So that's what they're missing. So they got to figure it out. Yeah, it does. It does feel like him. It does feel like March Madness um, a little bit, which you know I I don't think anyone would be thrilled if they said this is great. No one cares about a regular season anymore the way they used to, but they only don't. The playoffs. The playoffs have been awesome. Like baseball playoff storylines, however long you want to go back. I mean, there've been some incredible storylines. I don't know that there's anything that replaces the tenseness. You know, of if you care about baseball, it's it's awesome, but. When I think about Otani and then the fact that, you know, Ted Williams has been his teammate there for this long and I went, you know, I don't know if it's the park. I don't know. You know, I don't know if it's the area. You know, I look, I just lived here a couple of years, but I don't, nobody talks about that Angels team. Yeah. It never comes up. It's pretty rough. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a UFC thing. I think that's on my list. I think I'm going to go to the Vegas one. Um, I'm sure I'll go to some wrestling event. Other than that, it's gonna. It, this is the first time 
since we were rewatching Michael Jordan games in uh, April, May that year, when I think it's been this straight sprint of sports really ever since the bubble. It's been two years of just sports constantly um, where there's always been something. It's it's kind of been an amazing time to be a fan in a lot of ways. And now it's going to die because when we get through free agency, it's baseball for two months. It's some MMA stuff. Wimbledon might be interesting if Nadal can try to make one last run. We'll see if that Alcaraz guys can make a jump. But other than that, it's gonna, and then all of a sudden it's going to blow up again. We're going to have college football, NFL, basketball's coming back, baseball playoffs, and then World Cup in November. And it's going to be like this another crazy run. But it, this is like the calm before the storm, it feels like. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even thought about the Somebody asked me about the World Cup. Like, who do you like? I was like, when is it? And they were like, November. I'm like, yeah, what are you, what are you, talking, even, what are you doing? Even Saruti's not focused on it yet. Um, all right, that's it. I got nothing else unless you have anything else. No, I don't. I think I think I think that's it. I mean, just yeah. think next week's going to be awesome. I mean, we spent so, four hours talking to each other on Thursday. Yeah, uh, no, right. I, I kind of knew this episode. Like, I I think between what we just did and then what will be coming up next week, like this is sort of a halftime thing. So yeah. So I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you week from Sunday. You can hear Rosillo's podcast. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey as well. And I will see you on this feed on Tuesday and on the Rewatchables on Monday night.